Amen. Everyone who's not here today missed out on that good music, right? It's good. Welcome, church. Good morning. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. A few little preliminaries. I want to do two promos. One, I promised I would do a promo. We're starting a new Sabbath school class next week called The Story. There's something in your bulletin about it. It will be meeting at 1120 in room five over here. This is a class for families. The whole family can go to class together. And there's a book that goes with it. There's all the information on here. So if you're interested in that, we encourage you to participate in that. Also, I want to do our, a promo for our United Marriage class, which is coming up. Uh, there was something in the bulletin last week and the week before. It's starting October 6th for about six weeks, seven, eight weeks to help strengthen your marriage, make it stronger. You can always do better, so check that out. Call the office if you have any questions about that. And also today I want to welcome my cousin Leanne and her husband Paul and my daughter Karina and my girlfriend for 29 years, Nadine, and wife of 28 years. So we've been dating 29 years, married 28. So glad they're here. And if you're visiting today or online, or in the balcony. Hi, balcony. How y'all doing up there? We're glad you are here today. So let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for life. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for all the good things that you have done, are doing, and will do for us. May we be open to hear what you have to say to us today. Amen. True or false, we are flooded with offers every day, correct? We are surrounded. I, I, I got to be careful how I say this. I exercise at the mall, obviously not as much as I should, but I do walk at the mall, and there's certain, certain places I avoid or go away from because there's always somebody outside really pushing a heavy offer. And you might know who I'm talking about at the Altamont Mall. There's little areas there where they're offering stuff, they're pushing stuff. We get stuff in the mail, all kinds of offers in the mail. Uh, you get offers on TV for pizza, for cars, for, for clothes, for best credit cards, for phone companies, uh, et cetera, et cetera. We are flooded with people offering us stuff online, those pop-ups, um, on television all the time. We are surrounded on every corner, people offering us things. And you know the thing about most of these things, we don't need them. Most of these things, we do not need them. But marketing in the world tries to convince us that we need things that we don't need. So we're surrounded about this all around us in our lives. Okay, I want to talk to you today, in hopefully just a short brief time here, about five things that Jesus offers you and offers me and offers the rest of the world. And I'm gonna take a cue from Sesame Street. The letter of today is P. P as in Peter, P. So our letter, five things Jesus offers you, offers me, and I'm gonna start with the basic one that you've gotta get number one right. If we don't get number one right, everything else doesn't matter. Jesus offers you, offers me, offers everyone in the world pardon. Jesus offers you a pardon. 
I looked up on the internet, which is reliable for all its data and information, and the, the site that I'm, I'm going to give you the site that I'm uh, looking at, this is about news website connected to the U.S. Department of Justice. If it's the U.S. Department of Justice, it's got to be accurate, correct? What was interesting is I looked at a, different, a, a bunch of different sites, and each site I looked at gave me different statistics. So I picked the one that I liked. Here's the one that I liked. The top five U.S. presidents for giving out pardons. Which are the top five presidents for giving out pardons? Number one, you could probably guess because this guy was in office longer than anybody else. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, according to this website, gave out 2,819 pardons in his 12 years. Number two was his vice president, Harry Truman. Number three was Dwight Eisenhower. So I guess in the 40s and 50s, a lot of people needed to be pardoned, okay? Number four was Woodrow Wilson. And number five was Lyndon Bain Johnson. I didn't put number six on, but it's curious. Number six was Richard Nixon. Number six was Richard Nixon. One of the most famous presidential pardons was Gerald Ford pardoning Richard Nixon for Watergate. And uh, I, was, ooh, I was in seventh grade then. I sort of remember it. But they say it cost Gerald Ford the election in his pardoning of Richard Nixon. Okay, what about George Washington? Was he a big pardon guy? Do you think he was a big guy for pardons? No, he only gave 16. But he was new on the job, learning the job. And uh, I guess there weren't a lot of people that needed pardon back then. Abraham Lincoln gave 343 pardons. But the interesting thing about Lincoln, you may have heard this in high school history, Lincoln loved to pardon soldiers who fell asleep at their post. And the generals would go crazy because the rule in the army was, you fall asleep at your post, psh, you're shot, you're court-martialed, you're dead. Lincoln loved to pardon these, and, and the mothers would come begging. And in those times, you could go to the White House, knock on the door, walk in, and see the president. And so these generals would know these mothers were showing up, and Lincoln said to them, you know, we've killed enough of each other in this war. I don't think we need to keep killing someone just because they were tired. So those are the top five for presidential pardons. But let's look at a verse here, Mark 2, 5 through 12, where Jesus talks about pardon. In verse 5, it says, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, I love how he calls him son, your sins are forgiven you. Is that what his friends were bringing him for? No. In their eyes, in his eyes, his top priority was physical healing, which is very important. But Jesus starts out and tells him, look, I pardon you, son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes, those pesky scribes, were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts and minds. They were thinking, why does this man Jesus speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Good question. That's why he did it, to show them that he was God. 
They're thinking this in his mind. And I like Mark, who likes to say things happen quickly. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, take your sins are forgiven you, or to say, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go your way to your house. And immediately he rose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that they were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. What you need, what I need, what the world needs more than anything is to know that Jesus is very willing to forgive all your sins, all of them. He's very willing. When you get that straight in your Christian life and you, you understand that you're walking in pardon and forgiveness, you are liberated, you are free. You don't have to prove to God that you're worthy. You don't have to prove that he should love you. He does already. So number one thing that Jesus offers to you, to me, to everyone is your sins are forgiven. I'm very afraid in the last judgment that God's going to be very forgiving and be very merciful. And a lot of people who we don't think deserve to get in, he's going to let them in because that's just who he is. And if a president gives you a pardon, if a governor gives you a pardon, if Jesus offers you a pardon, it's very easy. You only have one thing to do. Take it, accept it, receive it. Okay, number two, the number two thing that I'm talking about. We've got pardon. Here's one that I want that we all look for. Jesus offers us peace. Jesus offers us peace. I'm reading a book now that's talking about the whirlwind of life that surrounds us all and the technology we're in, in our jobs, in our traveling, in our family, in our friends, in our work, and all the whirlwind that we live in. People are overwhelmed. And Jesus wants us in that whirlwind to experience peace. About 25 years ago, my dad, and Wayne knew my dad, Walt Sherman, uh, was going in for his third open heart surgery. He had his first one when he was like 44, and he had one when he was like 55, and then he was going in for this last one when he was 63. And my mom and I were in the waiting room, Kettering Hospital. We had slept 10 nights on the couches in the waiting room. Those are not very comfortable places. And the, the elevator opened every 30 seconds. Ding, ding. We were shot, we were emotionally drained. And I remember my mom was physically shaking. She was so mentally through it, physically through it. She was mentally shaking and we were, we were talking about what happens if he dies. I remember we stopped and we prayed there 
in the waiting room. I put my arm around her. And we felt a peace come down like curtains come down. Just a, okay, if he dies, I got this covered. If he gets better, I got it covered. Just have peace. And we surrendered to God. We will trust you and have peace in whatever happens. Jesus says to you and I in John 14, 27, and we're going through the book of Revelation. Pastor Jeff is taking us through the book of Revelation where Jesus is talking all the churches. I'm, I'm saying today that these are the things that Jesus wants to say to you and me today in this church today. This is what he's saying us, to us today. In John 14, 27, it says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In other words, God is saying, let me be God. Let me be sovereign. Let me give you peace. Jesus says, his words are, my peace I give to you you. Pardon and peace. There are many people in the world that cannot find peace. There are many people around us that are looking for peace. Maybe you today or I today do not have peace of mind on certain issues. Well, have the peace that Jesus loves and forgives you and have the peace that he wants to bring peace to you in your whirlwind. Okay, we're at Sesame Street. We're on the letter P. Pardon, peace, we're going to go to purpose. Leanne Thomas, your dad, my only uncle in the world, James Thomas, took my brother and I, and you were lucky you didn't go, about 35 years ago, he took us deep sea fishing in the Gulf of Mexico. Unfortunately, this was about a week after a hurricane had gone through, and the water was quite active. And we went out about 40, 50 miles out there, the only thing I caught was seasickness. <laughs> and I kid you not, I literally wanted to die. Because I was so nauseous. As a little boy, I, I got car sick like crazy. If I'm driving, I'm fine. But if I'm, I got so sick out there, my dad got sick, your dad got sick, my pesky brother Dave did not get sick. And this was the 1970s. And you know what the big movie was in the 1970s, right? Jaws. My pesky little brother catches a shark. And he goes home and the newspapers covered it. And, you know, he, he caught a shark. Now, what am I talking about here? Well, Jesus has a purpose for each one of us in Matthew 4.19, he says... Matthew 4, 19. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, I know you've heard this before. You've seen it on the internet. I just can't say it enough times. I love the church sign that says, Jesus says, You catch them, and I'll clean them. <laughs> Our job is not to clean the fish. Our job is to catch the fish. To live in such a way that people say, hey, that Jesus guy, that God, 
makes a difference in your life. Our purpose can be in, Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. Who can do that? Anybody, right? You don't have to preach. You don't have to teach. You don't have to give Bible studies. You don't have to give Daniel and Revelation seminars. Whoever you interact with, be kind to, be loving to, be forgiving, share what God has done for you. Let me step on your toes. I think here in the church, we swim in the aquarium a lot. We need to get out in the ocean and swim. It's safe and nice in the aquarium. There's beautiful decorations. There are a few sharks in here, I won't lie. But it's comfortable in the aquarium. God calls us to swim in the oceans and catch fish. So, number three is purpose. Pardon, peace, purpose. I like number four. Jesus offers us power. Jesus offers us power. We had a pastor in Puerto Rico that he used to tell the story, and I've probably told it here before, but I'll tell it again because I like it. He would say when he would fly on airplanes, you know, the typical thing for guys sitting next to me, Jeremy, what do you do? You know, Steve, what do you do? Evan, what do you do? Talk about. He said whenever people asked him, what do you do? He said, I work for the power company. The pastor. I work for the power company. Yeah, we're... We're worldwide. I mean, we're in every country. You're in every country. Yeah, we're in every country. How much power? Oh, it's a lot of power. We, we supply power night and day. We light up things. Really? What is your job in this company? I'm in human resources. I, uh, you know, I train people, work with people. Really? Tell me about it. And where, where, where do you, where's your base? Where, where are you located? And he'd eventually say, well... I'm a pastor in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and Jesus is the light of the world, and he created the sun and the moon. I work for him, and his power in my life has made such a difference that I want to help others find that power. Pardon, peace, purpose, power. Jesus said, Acts 1.8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be what? Witnesses to me, for me, in Jerusalem, local area, Judea, Seminole County, Samaria, Florida, and to the end of the earth. He will give us power You know, our church has five main goals, and I know you know what they are, all of you, but I'll just remind you. Worship service, finances, facilities, small groups, and our fifth is community outreach. And you know, we, we are having an impact community outreach. I want to give a plug to quilting ministry. Anybody here from quilting ministry? Okay. For the outreach, these quilts go around the world 
to people requesting need. I want to give a shout out to health ministries who run the cooking classes and the positive thinking classes. There are volunteers and lots of volunteers in most of these groups. And I'm going to, oh boy, I'm going to get in trouble here. But you know what? Uh, Well, let me say it after the next one. Gift and thrift ministry to the community. You know who's doing a majority of the work in these ministries? Women. Women. There's men there too. But women are the ground troops. They are the heart and soul of a lot of the ministries here. Who's running the little kids' Sabbath schools, Irene? Majority are women are dedicated there, doing it. Let's give a shout out to women in the church for the incredible ministry and service that they give. We also have um, many, many volunteer programs. You may not know we're connected with Lighthouse Community Center, which is an Adventist group up here behind McDonald's. They are working with Remington Place and public housing in Seminole County to provide the school book bags, to provide tutoring, to provide food, and to share Jesus with people. And there are so many opportunities in Orlando for us to witness and be service to people. Um, Yesterday I was down at the Orlando Mission Rescue Home for the homeless downtown, and I was blown away. They give long-term housing and services to over 150 homeless people. They need volunteers, people. They need volunteers. What I would say is we're doing pretty good here in the fish tank. I want to encourage you to jump out in the ocean, find a place, and do something for Jesus. Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, until and and to the end of the earth. So Jesus offers us pardon, peace, Purpose, power, the last one that everyone needs to know is that Jesus provides us a place. Jesus provides us a place. Everybody needs a place. I have my office at home, my man cave. I have my office here, so I have two man caves. Uh, I remember my dad's office when I was growing up, all his books and all the things he had. I'm sure you have, I've seen some of the, the quilting ladies have quilting headquarters at their houses set up, whole rooms dedicated to that. Everybody needs a place. This church is a nice place for us to come and socialize and interact. There are a lot of people that would like to be a part of this that would like to have what we have. Everybody needs a place. And Jesus said very simply, and you know that, these these texts, John 14, 1 through 3, it's very familiar. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, I like that, versus mansions. There are many mansions or rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare what? A place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I remember when I was in Academy of Freshmen in 1977, 
I was convinced that I would not graduate before Jesus would come. I was convinced. And I used to think of my life in years. And now I'm very scared. I'm thinking of my life in decades. And I'm also looking ahead and looking more at years ahead and not decades ahead. But I'm looking at the decades in the past. One thing I know for sure, it does not matter when he comes. The important thing is he's going to come. And as we go through Revelation with Pastor Jeff, we're going to see all the trial and tribulation and persecution that the churches were going through. It's all leading to Revelation 21 and 22, a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem. No more pain, no more suffering, no more death, no more crying. So God offers us a place. He offers us pardon, peace, purpose, power, and a place. Now I got a challenge for you, church. This church is called to offer those five same things to the community around us. What Jesus offers us, we are called to offer others. Anybody have anyone they need to forgive? Any neighbors, any relatives, any office workers, any co-workers, any family? We're called to give pardon. We are called, Jesus called us to, blessed are the peacemakers. If he gives us peace, he calls us to make peace. We have enough war in the world. We have enough conflict. We need peace. He calls us, church, you and me individually, to a purpose in serving and making disciples. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are called to make disciples. Disciples making disciples. That gives you a purpose. Whatever career you have, if you're retired, if you're young, whatever, whatever your situation, Jesus calls you to that purpose to serve and make disciples. And he calls us to be a powerful witness in how we live. If we just stop talking and just start living, can we still make disciples? Can people's lives be changed by how you and I live our lives? And finally, there are a lot of people looking for a place, for looking for friendship, for looking relationships. This should be a house of prayer for, as Isaiah says, all peoples. We are not a club. We are a place for all. So... Jesus sees you, correct? Jesus hears you. Jesus loves you. Jesus offers you much. My question and call to you today is, please accept what Jesus offers to you and please share it with others. Amen.